I had a great conversation last evening about authority. And Deuteronomy here is all about the authority of God. And then Isaiah is a different take on authority. So I really wanted to talk about that in the sermon because I think that it's important. Authority is probably the most important thing in your life. Knowing what you get from authority, knowing what your authority figures are, and that defines much of your path through life. You make your own choices, of course, but we very much make our own choices within the pathways that authorities define for us. I'll give you an example of how powerful authority is. I'll actually give you two so that I can't be accused of being partisan. I'm going to give one from each political party. In 2008, Barack Obama ran for president. He ran as an underdog against Hillary Clinton, and he ran as anti-gay marriage. If you listen to his speeches, he was strongly against it. He said, well, we shouldn't discriminate against homosexuals, but I strongly believe marriage is only one man and one woman, and I will vote and sign laws that way when I am president. It was a necessity for him to do that. Blacks in America have always been very conservative on homosexuality, far more conservative than whites. They're a very religious community. And the only way Barack Obama was going to win was to win the black vote. So he had to say that he believed the things that blacks believed. Everybody knew he was not telling the truth. He had answered a questionnaire in 2004 that said he was in favor of gay marriage. But that wasn't relevant. He came up and said, I believe that I'm against gay marriage. In 2012, Obama had been president for four years. Black America had sort of accepted him as their leader. And in 2012, Obama came out and said, I have changed my mind. I've grown as a person. And I'm now in favor of gay marriage. What's interesting is what happened to the black community. The black community's vote for Obama did not change much between 2008 and 2012. Instead, they changed their views on gay marriage. Almost overnight, support for gay marriage among the black community, when Obama came out and made that announcement, jumped 20 points. It went from a bare minority, 35% of blacks approved of gay marriage in 2011, to a majority of blacks in 2012 after Obama made his announcement. In 2012, Obama was facing Mitt Romney, and Mitt Romney was a strident foreign policy hawk. And he said in a debate that Russia is our greatest foreign policy rival. And Barack Obama mocked him. He said, you need to go back to the 80s where your foreign policy is from. But Republicans agreed with Mitt Romney. They strongly agreed with Mitt Romney. When asked who the greatest foreign policy rival of the United States was in 2012, 82% of Republicans said that it was Russia, just as Mitt Romney had. But four years later, Donald Trump ran on a very pro-Russian platform. Donald Trump believes that our greatest foreign policy rival is China. And one of his foreign policy goals has been to break the Russia-China detente in order to bring Russia into our sphere against China. That's why he keeps going over and meeting with Putin and saying nice things about him. You can believe or not that Putin has any blackmail material on him. Personally, I don't think Trump appears terribly blackmailable. But the important thing is the policies of the people who followed him. Guess what happened 
when they took another poll of Republicans and asked them who our greatest foreign policy rival was. Now, over 70% of Republicans think China is our greatest foreign policy rival. And you can certainly argue there's been changes in the last four years, but honestly, has the United States' position regarding China and Russia changed in four years? But Republicans have virtually totally flip-flopped. I'm not commenting on which are the best policies for the country to follow. I obviously have strong opinions there. I'm commenting on the importance of authority. Being a Democrat, being a Black, being a Republican, and making someone your leader gives them the ability to direct your beliefs. That's the power of authority. It can change what you believe overnight when you genuinely give someone authority over you. So why do we have authority if it's so powerful? Well, God's built authority into us. It's part of our design, the building blocks of people. We have to have authority because it's necessary to function on a day-to-day -day basis. I rely on the authority of King Supers and, and my wife every time I eat food. I'll give you an example because we all know the importance of eating kosher food. So you go to King Supers and there's a box of Hebrew National hot dogs and you pick it up and you buy it because King Supers has said, on their authority, these are genuinely Hebrew national hot dogs, that they're not stocking another brand that is putting the same insignia on but isn't actually Hebrew national. And Hebrew national is telling you on their authority that they have actual rabbis on site making sure that they're processing beef and that the beef that they're processing is kosher. And those rabbis have a certifying board that says that these rabbis are in fact real rabbis who actually know halakhic law and are able to say that this is good beef. And all of those authorities are necessary so that I don't have to go and slaughter my own beef and process it. Because that's the only other way that I could know that I have good beef, that I can eat a hot dog. And if I'm spending all my time making hot dogs, I'm not doing much else with my life. Now, most people try to limit their authority to certain things. If King Supers came out today and made the corporate announcement, everyone should become Muslim. I don't think King Supers would do that, but let's say that they did. I just trusted King Supers. The authority that they have is limited, and we try to limit authority to only where it's needed. But those mental safeguards are weak and tend to break down. Americans follow what corporate America, what Hollywood, what television studios in LA tell them to believe all the time. Even though if you asked an American, is Hollywood a cesspit of pedophiles and deviants? Most of them would say, of course it is. We know that. We've known that for a hundred years. And they still let them make decisions. I'll give you an example. Most Americans, when polled, say that the children of divorce are no worse off than the children of married families. In fact, most Americans will go a step further and say that it is the right thing to do to divorce for your children. Have you ever heard that? Used to be mocking divorcing for the children, and now it's a philosophy that Americans believe. Well, we have, we have problems, so we're divorcing for the children. That's beyond comically false. It's wildly untrue. The children of divorce have problematic behavior between two and three times as often as the children of intact marriages. 10% of the children of intact biological families have adolescent problems 
severe enough that they need counseling. The other 90% have adolescent problems, they just don't need professional help. 25% of boys of divorced couples have problems so severe that they need professional help. That's a full quarter. And that's not even approaching girls. 34% of the girls who are the children of divorce need professional help, over a third. Those are crazy numbers. It is clear that you should bear almost any burden to avoid divorce, to spare your children from that. But Hollywood tells a different message, so people believe that. It gets through their filters. Television regularly shows it as an answer to problems. So how do we avoid taking bad authorities in, and how do we choose good authorities? Well, the first way we choose authorities is belonging to a group. Once you belong to a group, you are more likely to believe the things that that group believes. One of the best commentators on the last election was Scott Adams, the writer of Dilbert. He regularly predicted what people would do and say and predicted very closely the outcome of the election. And he said one of the reasons he was able to do it is he's a registered independent who doesn't vote. He says voting takes away your objectivity because once you choose to vote for somebody, you write off a lot of their flaws because you've chosen that guy. So his flaws must not be that bad. And once you've chosen a party, you align with that party's views. Just like I mentioned earlier, with Republicans aligning with the party's views on Russia and China as they shifted with the leadership of the party. Independents are far less susceptible to this drift, incidentally. If you're a registered independent, you're less likely to drift following a party than a registered Republican or Democrat. Because psychologically, registering makes you part of a group. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't be a registered Republican. There are advantages to that. But you have to understand what group membership does. It opens you up to being swayed by the membership in your group. Another group is this church. You're all sitting and listening and viewing my words with authority because the elders of the church selected me as a deacon. And because of that selection, you think, I hope rightly, this guy has a pretty good grasp of theology. We should listen to him. And you're more likely to believe my words than you would be if I was ranting from a street corner. Even if I was saying the exact same things. Even if you agreed with the guy on the street corner. And we sometimes agree with the guy on the street corner. You're less likely to change attitude than you are for somebody who has that kind of authority. The second way is relationships. This is even more fundamental than group membership because relationships are how humans are built. Your first relationship is your parents. Things your parents tell you are sometimes impossible to correct. That's why you need to be so careful what you tell your children. If a parent tells you you'll never amount to anything, Odds are pretty good you won't, because that authority told you something. Husbands and wives have a tremendous amount of authority over each other in a relationship. And yes, wives have authority and husbands have authority of a different kind, but those authorities are tremendously important. And in fact, one of the biggest problems in a relationship is when authority is broken in favor of something else. And understand that authority has nothing to do 
with the things that you want. It has to do with the way things are. So one of the discussions I was having with Erin as we were talking about this sermon is she said, well, you've got to be careful with friends who have authority over you. That's true, but there's another thing in there, which is confirmation of desires you already have. Because one of the things authority has the power to do is tell you not to follow a desire you already have. And that's when authority is the hardest. That's when submitting to it is the most difficult. And that's when you make an authority in your life. Someone isn't an authority in your life if they run up beside you and become a yes man. And always find out what you want and then advise you to do that. It may seem like that person is telling you what to do, but they're not. They're just confirming what you already want to do. That's not an authority in any way. An authority doesn't matter until it changes things about you. Authority speaks past your conscious mind. That's the most important thing to understand. One of the things that's talked about in Musar is the fact conscious, unconscious, the, the nephish, the animating mind that you have. That's what authority speaks to. It doesn't speak to anything conscious. I assure you, every one of those black Americans who changed their mind on gay marriage and every Republican who changed his mind on Russia versus China, everyone could say, nope, wasn't Barack Obama, it wasn't Donald Trump. I studied the facts and I looked at it and it turns out we have a larger trade deficit with China than with Russia. And that's why I changed my mind is I came into possession of new facts and they're lying. They're justifying a decision they already made because the authority told them to change. And then their conscious mind came up with a smart reason that that's true. Which is why, for example, you should strongly avoid watching television shows in which adultery is common. I won't watch shows in which that's common because that puts in your subconscious, oh, adultery is a thing that's okay to do. So when you get an opportunity, you'll take it because your subconscious thinks it's okay, and then your conscious mind will come up with some stupid reason. It won't make any sense, but that won't matter to your conscious mind. Instead, you belong to a group of people who constantly, by their actions and their deeds, affirm adultery is wrong. You never watch something that lets it get into your subconscious that it could ever be okay. And then, when it comes up, your subconscious already knows about you that you're not a person who commits adultery. It won't ever be something you're tempted to do. Authority is so powerful, so powerful, that it can even stop the direct finger of God. That sounds hard to believe, but it has actually occurred. And at the end of Matthew 13, do you all remember what happens? Yeshua goes home, goes back to Nazareth, and he tries to preach and heal. This is God incarnate in the flesh. He has been walking through healing lepers, healing the blind. Wherever he goes, people hear the word as if it's spoken with authority. People are hearing something new, the word spoken with authority. And he goes home and he preaches and nothing happens. God himself can't make miracles happen. Why? Because these people, with the authority of experience, say, 
That's a little kid who was running around here. He's not the son of God. That's little Jesus. That's little Yeshua. I remember him when he was in diapers. And on their authority, the authority of their experience, they are blocking the direct intervention of God. It's one of the reasons it's so important to say things like, my father will stand up and say, doctors are wrong. Not that doctors are wrong in diagnosing. Doctors are real good at that. But the instant a doctor starts to tell you, this is what is going to happen, you say, stop. You're wrong. Because doctor is a position with a tremendous amount of authority. And if you listen to a doctor say something with authority, that can stop a miracle from happening right there. Now, I'm not saying don't go to a doctor. I'm not anti-doctor. Doctors are great at mending bones. Doctors are great at telling you what's wrong. Doctors can give you a lot of physical things that can help, but you tell them to stop talking with authority when they're talking about the future. They have no more idea than I do. I have more idea because I have the word of God, but the instant their authority gets into your soul, it will block the divine power of God. It can happen. I realize that that sounds terrible, but God can have his power blocked by earthly authorities. And we see it in scripture. Let me give you another example. James 5.14. We all love James 5.14 here, right? Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Why? Why the elders? Because they have authority. Any of us can pray. Our prayers go to God. My prayers aren't any more special than my father's, than Grant's than anyone here who doesn't have authority. I've prayed with many of you who have tremendous connection to God. But when you go to somebody with authority, that someone can break down the false authorities that are lying to you. That's the power of elders. They can come in with authority and say, no, you're healed. That's what God told you. Don't listen to these earthly authorities. There's another authority that I want to end with that's also dangerous, and that is spiritual authorities, because there are more spiritual forces than just God. And there are spiritual authorities that love to latch on to you and tell you things, many times things you want to hear. And they have authority as well. And if you don't take it away from them, they will continue to feed lies that will build on whatever direction they want you to go. Whether it's, I don't have a drinking problem. I only have three or four drinks a night. I don't have a, whatever your problem is. I don't have an anger problem. I don't have a lust problem. Pick your problem. There's some spirit that wants to latch on to you and agree. I don't, you don't have that problem. No, no problem at all. And you will build them up to be an authority. So that's why you need to learn how to leave an authority behind. And the processes are leave the group. If a group has a negative authority or is driving you in the wrong direction, leave it. There were people who formally renounced their membership in the Republican Party because pick a thing. That's very powerful. It's powerful in affecting the group, but it's also powerful in affecting you. Leave a group that is harmful to you. Enter a group that is healthy for you. Second is relationships. I have friends in the church 
who were in a relationship with each other and had a third person that was a damaging relationship. I said, no, cut out of my life entirely. Ended the relationship. It's difficult to do, especially with longtime friends. And one day you may be able to build those back up if it stops being toxic, but end those relationships because otherwise you're letting an authority in there. And the last thing is speak the authority of God. Go back to scripture. Read his authority because that authority builds on itself by your repetition of it. Leaving an authority behind isn't easy, but it's important to be able to walk on the paths that you want to walk on because you are always constrained to the paths that your authorities set before you. And if their path doesn't include righteousness, you need to change authorities so that that path is open to you. Let us show